This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Our first reading today is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verses 4 through 12. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, and yet he did not open his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By a perversion of justice he was taken away. Who could have imagined his future? For he was cut off from the land of the living stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked and his tomb with the rich, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him with pain. When you make his life an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring and shall prolong his days. Through him the will of the Lord shall prosper. Out of his anguish he shall see the light. He shall find satisfaction through his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, shall make many righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will allot him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sins of many, and made the intercession for the transgression. Holy wisdom, holy word. Our second reading for today is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. Every priest chosen among mortals is put in charge of things pertaining to God on their behalf to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward, since he himself is subject to weakness. And because of this, he must offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for the sins of all people. And one does not presume to take his honor, but takes it only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but he was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And as he says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who believe him. 
having been designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the 10th chapter. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, we are able. Then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, you know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lorded over them and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Holy wisdom, holy word. We always seem to be in a hurry to grow up. Sometimes it seems like my childhood is so far away. Usually in the morning when I look at my face for the first time in the mirror. Other times I'll smell something or hear something and it's just right there. Every time I hear Smokey Robinson and Tears of a Clown, I can smell the model glue from all those models I built as a kid. And I can still remember the feel of stepping into my dad's shoes and trying to walk around the house in the, well, or my mom's shoes, I tried them both. Um, The clomp that they made as I would go down the hallway, wondering how in the world one would ever fill these up. And there are pictures of me sitting behind the wheel of my parents' first car, an old DeSoto, holding on to the wheel in my diaper, for all the world like I own this. I own the whole world. One of these days, I'll be driving this thing down the road. We seem to spend our whole childhood longing for that place at the grown-up table, trying to enter into all those privileges, all those mysteries that come along with adulthood. 
we want to grow into that. And so we watch our parents, we wonder, and, and, and we try to learn what it is that they're doing. In the morning, they, they drink that black liquid that somehow miraculously brings them from death into life, and we want it. And so at some point, they give us a taste, and we learn that, oh my, it might, work, might bring you back from the dead, but it's about to kill me. Or better yet, that elixir that they partake of in the evening when guests come over from those strange dark bottles that seem to fill them with life and joy. And at some point, we might find an unattended glass or maybe a guest will smile, wink at his neighbor and let us have a sip And while that fire is passing by our innocent, uninitiated esophagus, we have a moment of revelation that the cup that we so long for isn't always what we thought it was going to be. And maybe this is why adults always seem to be so grumpy. It seems like we spend so much of our childhood trying to drink from these mysterious cups. We, we long for a taste of freedom that comes with driving, only to find that that cup comes with car insurance, with maintenance, and with everything else that goes with owning a car. We long to be initiated into the ways of intimacy and sex, only to find that with it comes a level of vulnerability and heartbreak that we had never imagined. We long for the, to taste freedom, the ability to do what we want, when we want, only to find that it comes with loneliness. We long to taste what it's like to be in control, to finally be making those adult decisions We long to drink deeply from the jug of success only to find that we wouldn't know what success tasted like if it bit us on the face. So many cups that come with a certain bitterness. We learn as we go, I suppose, we long to sit at the grown-up table. And so we imitate our parents, try on those big words, try them out only to find that occasionally we shock and amaze our parents because we haven't yet learned what those big words mean. James and John come to Jesus this morning like babes out of the wood, asking for a place at the big boy table. And I love the way they start by asking, just like my kids used to ask. Uh, Dad, we're going to ask you something and promise you'll say yes before we ask. But Jesus, in his wisdom, says, well, tell me what you want first. And James and John say, grant that we might sit at your right and your left 
in your kingdom. Actually, the word they use is in your glory. And Jesus shakes his head and says, you don't know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup that I am going to drink? And naively they say yes. But we know better. Because we're smarter. Because we've read the story. You've read the story, right? Well, if you haven't, this is a good place to start. Listen up. We know how the story is going to unfold. We know that that cup that they are asking to drink of is going to be the same one that Jesus asks might be taken away from him. And we know that those seats of honor at his right and left hand side will be granted not in some golden kingdom hall but at the place of his coronation there at the top of Calgary from his throne across and that those to whom it will be granted to sit at his right and at his left well it'll end up being two thieves rather than James and John they have no idea what they are asking But we do. We know. And so you'd think that we might have a little better idea. And yet, it sometimes seems with children that they are immune to wisdom. There are certain lessons we just cannot learn until our parents bring us kicking and screaming into reality into the truth of things. And even though we know that all of this has something to do with death, we resist it with every ounce of our being. We don't want to die. We want to live. We want to drink from a cup that is sweet. And we still want to sit in those seats of power. We want to be there when those saints come marching in and if Jesus won't let us be at the head of the parade waving the flag, well, at least maybe he'll let us be in crowd control so that we can determine who comes in, who gets to be in the parade, and who doesn't. After all, I think we all, somewhere in the back of our minds, have a short list of those we'd like to leave on the curb as the parade goes by. Lord, let us sit on your left and right hand and we'll help. We'll help you run your kingdom. Like children saying, we'll be happy to help you drive the car. And Jesus says, well... Okay, you will drink from the cup that I will drink. But first, take up your cross and follow me. 
couple Wednesdays ago, the first time I went to the five at the font, Chris had the kids ask me questions as a way of getting to know me a little bit better. They asked some really great, great questions. My favorite being, who's your second best friend? Which I thought was a very wise question to ask. But it only seemed fair that then last Wednesday, I got to ask them questions. So one of the questions I asked them is, why do we keep carrying that little cross up here every time we come to worship? Because we have to be reminded over and over and over and over again, like children being told to put their coats on in the winter, that we have to take up our cross and follow Jesus. That there is no other way to life, no other way to resurrection than through that cross. And so we take it up and we put it smack dab there in front of us as a constant symbol of our belief so that we can't forget that we are washed in the water of baptism and are called to live that baptismal identity day after day, or maybe more accurately, to die that identity day after day. That our task is not to somehow outmaneuver everyone else in the world to sit at Christ's right and left hand. Our goal isn't to somehow get everything so right that we, like Jesus, can rise up in glory. But our job is to be one of those poor slobs who desperately needs Christ to raise us up. Because we will drink from that cup Every last one of us, just as James and John did. And in so doing, proved that God, as we heard last week, can do anything. Nothing is impossible for this one who can not only reach through and drag rich people through the eye of a needle into the kingdom, but who can also take these poor immature, confused disciples and bring them into the company of his saints in light. He can make martyrs of all of us. James and John would indeed die for their faith and we all in one way, shape or form will die for ours. One way or another we will come to our own cross But when we do, when all those efforts to get things right, all those efforts to believe the right things and keep the right company, when it all falls to pieces as inevitably it will, and we come to that cross, we will find that Jesus has gotten there before us and is waiting for us there. The one place that we most need him and the one place where we know we are most likely to find him. There he will gather us in with all the rest of those rats from the rat race that we hoped to leave behind. 
where we will find that all the rats have been brought together into the one body of Christ. That this is something that we all enter into together. That we all enter into life simply because our Lord wants us to. I think that's enough. So amen.